This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station and Lily Chai. So McKinsey's research last year revealed that employees are increasingly seeking purpose and meaning in their roles, leading to a shift in employee-employer dynamics. And in a way, it's causing some of them to become less engaged in their work. So Pete Stafros, a founder and chairperson of Ownership Works, he suggests that fostering an ownership culture can lead to a higher employment engagement and retention. But what does ownership entail and why should organizations prioritize building this culture? And we are here to speak to Nigesh Arman, the COO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital to delve deeper. Welcome to the show, Nigesh. Hi, hi, Lily. Hi, everybody. Uh, please introduce yourself and share your perspective on oh, the concept of ownership. Okay, well, introduction to myself will take a while because uh, my journey has been long, but uh, let's just say a short one is I've been in multiple fields in my life, uh, from engineering to marketing to uh, production, which is music, audio. I've been in the corporate sphere as well. Um, I've also done consultancy work, education work, and now here I am at Leadonomics Digital building a business for um, digital-based learning for anybody. Mm. So that's a little bit on myself. And um, so on the topic of uh, ownership, I think you kind of introduced it pretty nicely about that whole building high engagement is true, that culture of uh, ownership. And I think that is something which I call the magic pill if I were to say, for uh, actually performance and excellence. So if I were to say what ownership actually is, uh, it starts with the mindset. It's the mindset that one has um, about responsibility, basically taking and practicing personal responsibility. But most of the time it gets lost there or stopped there. Mm. But I think there's a lot more to it. Uh, It's about being curious. It's that desire to actually synergize and collaborate. Uh, And also it's being action orientated. And the one important thing at the very end about this whole thing is about delivering value. And when I say value, it's not about money. It's about what value do you actually deliver and do you think you can deliver? Because I was scrambling around the internet, like trying to find what it really means, right? Different Mm. articles say different things. Some say that it's uh, staying accountable, right? Accountability. Mm -hmm. Some is saying that it's building trust and some is saying that it's embracing challenges. I guess it is a broad term. It Mm -hmm. cannot be like categorized in one or one box per se, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. And essentially, I would say that um, most of the time, I think this is the problem (laughs) when a manager says that to the uh, uh, reporting line or anybody says to anybody at the workspace, like you got to have ownership. Sure, it's easy to say that, but what does it actually mean? How can you break it down for a person to understand what does ownership mean? Because uh, we all ask for it. Yeah. Because that really means that someone really owns their space, really wants to do the best they can. Mm. But what does it exactly mean? I think it's important for us to break that down a little bit. Mm. We need a lot of time to break it down into like bite-sized pieces for, for us to digest and apply it at work. But what are some of the most common misconceptions that employees and employers, team leaders, etc. have about what ownership is? Right. Sometimes, especially when it comes from top down, there's this tendency for 
managers or business leaders to think, oh, they should act the way I act. I think that's a big one. That's a big misconception there. You cannot, you cannot demand that of people who are reporting to you to act the way you act because you have different needs. You have different things you've got to deliver and you see things a different way as well as you've gone through many different things in your life. They haven't gone through the same things. Mm. Each person have their own experience. So if you say they have to be like you or display your qualities, that's not right. And the other way around as well for employees looking at their managers or looking at people they report to or maybe someone or a colleague again it's that thing that i have to be like that person that means then i'm showing ownership again not necessarily because everyone has different experiences everyone acts differently and works differently as well so i think it's important that they know the meaning and the breakdowns of it and how they they can practice it as their own. Hmm. So do you think we can start breaking down what ownership actually means in simple terms? Like explain yep. it to us. Yep. Okay. So uh, before I say the breakdown, um, some may ask, why is it important? Of I think that, that was not answered. We have so far answered like, what is it? But mm-hmm. why is it important? So this is a way for a person to tell themselves, this is how I can maximize what I can do maximize my impact, maximize how I impact or the value I deliver to the circle of influence that I have and beyond. Mm-hmm. And again, that also talks about individuality there already, because I'm talking about circle of influence. Everyone has a different circle of influence. Anybody, they don't want to just sail by life and just be also ran. They want to be able to have done something and tell themselves like, yeah, you know what? I did the most I could do at that point in time. Again, I'm using the word that point in time because as you move down the line, there are more that you can add. Mm. So understanding that why then brings us into how we break that down. And in my mind, I over the time that I've been in my different roles, um, I break it down to these six things. And you already mentioned one of it, which is accountability. Mm. That's actually one of it. It's not the thing, it's one of the things. Mm. So accountability is one of it. And I think we can go into each one right after this. Um, Curiosity is the next part. So that's number two. And then number three is, of course, everybody speaks about this, urgency. Right. And then... Number four, sometimes when we talk about ownership, we forget that ownership doesn't live in a vacuum. So synergy is number four. And then number five is action driven. And number six is value driven. Hmm. So it's these six components which you put into the mix when building your sense of ownership. I think we can break it down later, mm-hmm. but I'm, I just have a few things in mind. I'm thinking that why is it important to talk about it now? Because there are trends like, you know, the great resignation, quiet quitting. How have these trends influenced the perception and practice of ownership among employees? Do you feel like it's more important? It's increasingly important or they feel like, you know, work-life balance is more important now. What, what do you think and what can you make out of this? Mm. I would say it's always been important. It's not a now, it's not a when. It's always been important. I think these things about like the great resonation and work-life balance, even though I have a whole different take with work-life balance and there'll be a whole different interview by itself. Uh, side note, work-life integration is what people should strive for, not balance. Mm. But all these things are things that happen because there are scenarios around us at play. Sure, but that doesn't void us from the life that we are in right now. Mm. And in that life that we're in, we would always apply ourselves to something. Even a person who 
today may have been in a corporate job for a long while and decided, you know what, this is not really conducive to my life. I am going to resign from this job and find something that is going to fulfill me. That in its sense, though it may seem like someone's giving up, is someone actually taking ownership of a situation? So that's ownership right there. Mm. And then when you get into whatever it is that you want to find and you do, when they pour themselves into it, that's ownership again. So ownership happens at any point in any scenario. Therefore, it's, I would say it's one of those everlasting traits that everyone should have. Mm. Uh, But it's one of those things people don't choose to understand what that means. So whenever it's said to them, then it feels like they don't have it. I actually found this study done by uh, someone called Douglas Cruz in 2018 uh, at a university called Rutgers University. They say that employees who take ownership tend to have better career outcomes, so there are less turnovers, uh, higher possibilities of promotion and raises, things like that. Do you think these things are related to ownership? I would say yes, um, but not necessarily only in the context of a workplace as well, right? Mm -hmm. It is the results you see. So let's take these two examples. First is someone at the workplace. Uh, When someone has a high level of ownership, it is very apparent. It's not even just slightly. It's very apparent because that person is someone, when they use the term self-driver, right? That means that person has taken ownership or whatever they have in front of them. And they say, look, I am going to do something with this and I am going to push this forward. I'm not going to wait for somebody to tell me, oh, this needs to be done. Oh, that needs to be fixed. This person drives themselves to find those things, do those things. And it's very apparent that they are already adding value into the whole system. So that's why it becomes so apparent to call it management or whoever that you look, this is a high performing person. Hmm. Now, on the other end of the thing, if it's someone who is running their own business or who is a freelancer in the gig economy, if they take a high sense of ownership of what they do, the quality of the work shows. And especially in business, progress of the business shows. Sure, there will be difficulties in business, but someone with a high sense of ownership, I would like to use this, which is they feel the hurt when something doesn't happen and they don't want the hurt to happen again. And they will really push through it. Hmm. So they motivate themselves, self-motivators, right? But yeah. these people, I guess, has a higher, higher tendency to become burnout, right? Because they always have to have that drive in them. They have to cultivate them in, in order to perform at their no. best. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily the whole burnout thing. Uh, I would say it actually goes to help against that. Because tendency of why burnout happens is you don't know what you're doing, why you're doing it. You can't find reason for it anymore. So you you feel like you're in a grind. You feel like you're doing something constantly and not seeing what's at the other end of it. When there's no meaning, that's where you feel the tiredness. But when there is meaning and you have developed the meaning for yourself, and this is prime ownership here. Sure, I'm not saying you won't get tired. I'm not saying you won't get burnout in a sense, but you know how to recover from it. And that's the important part. You know how to recover from it because you will be able to then understand and tell yourself that, no, this is why I'm doing this. This is the value I'm adding. Here's why I picked to do this thing. So therefore, let me rest, recharge, and get back to it. I think the burnout part of it happens because most 
find or struggle to find that reason behind why they're doing things. Hmm, I really love that. Okay, let's break it down uh, what ownership looks like mm-hmm. later on, but it's time for us to uh, take a short break for some messages. I'm here with Nigesh Arman, who is the COO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital to talk about why cultivating an ownership culture is important at work. So do stay tuned on Racer Game here on BFM 89.9. Budding Fresh Ministers, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Billy Chai. I'm here with Nigesh Arman, the CEO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital, to help us understand why is fostering an ownership culture important to an organization and actually what does it mean? Uh, so I want to talk about, you know, can, can ownership be learned or taught or is it primarily influenced by environment, let's say your workplace? I'd say both. Again, we don't live in a vacuum. And I think whenever someone says things like, oh, something can always be learned. Yes, it's true. But it needs to be balanced with the environment the person is in as well. Sure, the person can learn how to develop a high sense of ownership. That's always possible. But if the environment around them is constantly pushing against it, it doesn't allow them to move past the muck, if you want to call it. They're not going to be able to see that Yes, I have the ability to do it. So give an example, someone is in a really bad culture workplace, too competitive in the wrong way, as in everyone is fighting against each other. No one's really being collaborative. Uh, they've got a bad boss who's berating them. The deliverables acquired by the work is also bad. And also the work timings are constantly getting them to sit at work and they are finishing work late. They don't have a balance in life. So you see, by me saying that, you're already having that question in your mind that, Would this person have time to do anything? Mm. So that's the key. If a person does not have time to stop and see, wait, there's a different way to do this, the learning will not start. Hmm. Wow, I really like that. Can you can you elaborate more on how would an organization be affected if their employees are they don't have ownership, they lack the sense of ownership? Or what would the organization actually look like? Right. So it will look like a revolving door organization because people will stay and go and stay and go and stay and go because no one really finds something they can latch on to and say, look, I want to build that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And always then it's going to be a top down thing where every every time the bosses and the managers are going to keep on saying, look, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to deliver. And everyone just delivers to par, if I would call it. No one delivers above and beyond. And hence the organization will be what I call just static. You will not really have growth. And even if you have growth, I call it fake growth because then it's just manipulation of things, which sure looks good, but sure as hell doesn't feel good. That's usually what happens when an organization have employees or individuals with poor sense of ownership because it's actually a reflection of those leading the organization that they don't have ownership on how they choose to structure and build a culture and also help the people grow. Interesting. Shall we break down what ownership entails? I know there. Sure. Are, you said there are six elements into it. Okay, so let's start with the first one. So 
the first one is accountability. So accountability is someone who is accountable uh, or someone who is accountable is completely responsible for what they do. And this is the important part and must be able to give a satisfactory reason for it. So it's not just responsible. And most people stop at the responsible part. It is also that person telling you, why am I doing this? It's the compelling why, right? Yes, exactly. Because if someone is just responsible, sure, they say, that's my job. I'll just do that. Mm -hmm. If someone knows the meaning of it, I'm responsible for it and I have to deliver something for it different tone you get. Now, then you can talk about, okay, how do you develop this? How do you develop a sense of uh, accountability? So I, I like to break it again to three things here, which is one is a person needs to seek awareness and understanding. So whatever it is, anybody out there you're about to do, understand what you're about to do. What does it entail? Find out as much information as possible. Know what it means as is. And I'm not saying before you start, Get as much as you can before you start. But as you move along the way, build deeper understanding of what is that thing that you're doing so that you know what you're doing. Now, then comes the second part, which is to know why you're doing it is you need to contextualize the meaning for yourself. So when you're about to start doing something, someone will tell you, yeah, it's because of this, this, this. But why is it? Where do I contribute to this thing? If someone says that this um, important sales target is there, for you to do. Okay. Yes, I'm aware, but why am I doing this? So you have to have your own meaning and you need to match your values and your principles. Because if it's fighting against your values and principle, then you're already in a mismatch and then you're not going to be able to be accountable fully to that thing. And then finally, you need to accept and commit to it. So it doesn't happen if you don't accept and commit to it. This is like example, someone telling you that, look, you need to change. You need to change because you have poor timing. Um, your priority in task management is bad. Sure, you can get the awareness. Someone can give you feedback. Great. You need to understand what does it mean to yourself and why is it so important. And then finally, you need to choose. You need to accept that. Okay, I accept that and I commit that I'm going to start doing something about it. Only then will the change start. Hmm. I right. would like to voice out something that I guess a lot of employees can agree is sometimes we are tasked with things that we don't really want to do because yeah. we don't know why. Mm -hmm. And when we start asking why, we can't really find the answer for it. Mm -hmm. For situations like this, how can we still be accountable and at the same time, you know, taking ownership of that particular task? Right. Sometimes it's asking why, sometimes it's creating your why. So example would be um, in an organization, if you are lucky, you're in a space where someone can really answer you and someone, the culture is such that you would know most of the whys, great. But if you can't, then you've got to ask yourself that question, like, why would I want to do this? What would this do for me? So ask yourself that question. And when you form that reasoning, that anchors you towards doing it, even in the hardest day. I think uh, during the break, we were just talking about it and something popped in my mind that work is not always enjoyable. Of course. And anything you do in this world is not always enjoyable. There's going to be the good, there's going to be the bad. It's all mixed together. So if you know why you're doing it, you can accept that, yes, it's going to be all of this together. Mm, yeah. So I guess I go to number two. No problem. All right. The next one, I think uh, this one is funny to appear in ownership, but I think is rather important as well. Curiosity. Mm. And the meaning of the word here is a state of just being 
constantly curious, inquisitive, wondering. This I find is sometimes quite lacking in most individuals because of fear, unfortunately. I think this is part to do with, here's where the environmental factor comes into play. Mm. When we go through our very Asian lives here in Malaysia, <laughs> most things are kind of said, you have to do this. You have to go and sit for the exam. You have to get A for the exam. You have, everything is a have to. So you feel like you're just kind of ticking a checklist. There's this lack of curiosity that is that. So it becomes difficult when you grow into an adult and you want to build that part. It's just so unnatural to you. Yeah. But it's very, very important to have that. Myself, I've been a curious animal, sure. When I was younger, <laughs> I wasn't exactly the most well-behaved person, but good reason for that as well, because I never accepted anything lying down because I kept on asking questions. I want to understand why something's the way it is and how else can I see it and what else can I do? Those three questions there. Why is something the way it is? How else can I see it? What else can I do? Mm. A person with high ownership will be doing something and then they will like, wait, what else can I do here? Example, someone has um, an operations task in a manufacturing plant. That's it. Sure, easy enough. I go operate, operate the machine, but the machine may not be running at its best. Are you just going to leave it there? It's delivering numbers, but it's not, it's not working at its best. Hmm. And that question of what else can I do here? That comes from curiosity. You're curious about why is that not the best it could be? What else can I do here? So curiosity is an important factor in ownership. Hmm. I guess the fear comes from a lot of childhood. I wouldn't say traumas, but incidents that didn't encourage us to ask the why, right? Mm -hmm. When we ask yeah. our parents why this, they would say you will understand when you get older, but apparently you still don't understand when you get older. And even in classes as well, and if you tend to ask a lot of questions, you'll be Look that you know you're not intelligent. You you are just something that yeah. that's, that sticks out of the crowd, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about the other four elements uh, in mm -hmm. ownership, uh, but it's time for us to take a short break for some messages. But don't go anywhere. I'm here with Nigesh Arman, the COO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital, to help us delve deep into how to build an ownership culture in an organization and why it is important. So do stay tuned here on Racer Game here on BFM 89.9. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, the business station, and Lily Chai. I'm here with Nigesh Arman, the COO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital, to talk to us about ownership culture, how to build that, and why it is important. Now, there are six elements in ownership, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about two. What about the remaining four? All right. The remaining four starts with urgency. So that's number three on the list. And everyone, again, this is a common word you hear at the workplace or even, you know, someone who's doing business is like, oh no, I don't have enough time. It comes out as that there's not enough time. You got to do it now kind of thing. So that's essentially what urgency is. But actually more so, it's just a state of mind. It's a state of mind of just being swift, earnest and persistent in action. Now, that is a long list of things you can do. But I think more importantly, you need to feel 
the reasons for urgency and you need to put things into place. And when someone says urgency here, it's not about doing things fast. Mm. It's doing the right thing at the right time, getting it done and moving it on to the next thing. And also having the understanding of not being a Nazi to your calendar. <laughs> so when I say a Nazi to your calendar here means that there's this tendency where people get hyper task or schedule orientated where they put things into schedule, which is good, mm. which means you know what you're going to do. But at the same time, they get so stuck on it that they feel like, you know what, uh, if something comes along the way and gets into my schedule, I'm not going to do that now because I've got the schedule to work on. You've got to think of it in what are things I can get done here and now. So if something were to come my way right now, if it just takes me a few seconds to get it done, just do it and get it out of the way. Hmm. That actually shows a quick sense of urgency already there. Two is when people respond to you, it's good to also communicate how you respond. Like with my team, I tell them, look, you need anything urgent? WhatsApp me. You need anything in 24 hours? Email me. Mm. You need anything even later than that? Then leave it in our dry slots. Then people now know that, okay, that's how you work as well. So urgency is the next piece there, number three. And move on to number four, which is synergy. Mm. Synergy is the collaborative piece here. So this is where with the first three we've talked about, which is accountability, uh, we talked about curiosity and urgency. One thing comes here. How do you build shared accountability? How do you get others to also, when you work in a team, how do you get them to also feel that, yeah, we're doing this together. We're accountable for this. And these are all our pieces. So to do that next part is agree on the method and practice. So how are we going to do this? Agree on that. Most get into a team and say, okay, let's get the work started. But have you agreed how you're going to do it? That's important. And then, of course, constantly communicate and feedback to each other. If you don't, things get swept under the rug, especially frictions will happen, conflict will happen. The best way to work through it is actually communicate, get feedback from each other. Next is actually also have clear expectations. What am I going to do? What are you going to do? What are we all going to deliver? Hmm. Have that clear expectation. And of course, again, it appears, accept and commit. Everyone have to accept and commit to it. Most of the time, just someone will be saying this. And I think you, you're familiar with this. Okay, everyone heard? Everyone good? All right, let's go. <laughs> you don't really get everyone to say like, yeah, I do. I do agree. Or no, I don't. Right? Even if it's a reluctant acceptance rate. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Most of the time you're thinking in my mind, what? I, I just got to accept it, I guess. Mm. But make sure that everyone accepts and commits to it. Then you have real synergy. Right. And now we're moving on to the last two. And the last two here actually is pretty simple to explain. First one is action driven. Everything else has come before this is setting you up, giving you practices and making sure you're ready for it. But nothing happens if you do not take any action in the first place. And most people keep on talking about execution, execution, execution. And what they tend to do is come up or draw up this plan, which can probably fly you to the moon. <laughs> But start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Start with the simplest thing you can start. That gets you into the momentum. It's that whole snowball effect. You start somewhere, it's that small, but as you keep on continuing and going and going and going, it builds. And part of this whole thing is never fear failure. The reason why most don't start is, what if I start and that doesn't work out? Mm. And my response to that is, so... If it doesn't work out, never mind. You've learned now one way not to do it. 
and you've learned why it didn't work. Great. That means the next thing you're going to do is going to be that much more successful. Mm-hmm. Right? So that action-driven part, again, when I say small, it makes it doable for you as well. What would Don't, you say is the simplest thing that a person can do, like right now? I would say things like, for example, if you make a plan, right? If you're making some whole new improvement plan for, let's say, your processes and stuff like that. Uh, most of the time, I end with this during a meeting, which is, okay, what's the most simplest thing we can start doing here now, today? Hmm. When we go back or once we leave here, what can we start doing here? Now? And what is the way that we can then slowly build towards that? And if that means that, look, we need to gather again and workshop this, sure, let's do that. Because we're taking action and also creating something as well. So I think it's important, like even if it's self-change, self-improvement, break it down to the most minute thing that you can start here this second, it wouldn't sweat you kind of thing. Hmm. Right? And then the final one here is value-driven. I think this is an important anchoring. Everything before this, as I said, is setting up the mindset. The action part of it is getting you started. But the value-driven part is your anchoring, which is... It may sound abstract. It may sound like value here doesn't mean money. No, it doesn't. Value here means that what is the good that you leave in the world? That's the simplest way I can say it. What is the good that you leave in the world? Or what is the good that you do to another person? It is not measurements. It is not metrics. It's not KPIs. Those are things that tell you you're heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. That's not the value. The value, I always say, is something that you see, you feel, And you hear, if someone else tells you that, thank you so much for what you did, it has improved our lives significantly, then you've delivered value. So if you can drive yourself on delivering value, delivering good, making sure you're improving others' lives, that is your anchoring for ownership. But I guess we are all imperfect human beings. I don't think no. anyone can adhere to that uh, line by line and, and element by element, right? Uh, yeah. Would you say it's different for employees and employers, like leaders yeah. and employees? Like how different would things be? The six things will still be the same, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. how is it different between these two positions? Right. So for a, and maybe I'm looking at it from my own lens, Right. So this is my sharing for an employee employee. It is a lot to do with the self, you yourself. Like, what are you doing? I know it's going to sound a little selfish, but what are you doing for yourself? Hmm. Right. Like in your workplace, when you get into work, it's your first job. So what is the thing that you're going to do for yourself? If that means that, look, I want to start understanding my role. Okay, great. That's the thing you start with first. Own that process completely. How do you own the process? Is those six things that I mentioned. Mm. So you're, you're doing something for yourself. And as you move along as well, it's the same thing. You're doing something for yourself. But by the virtue of, you know, there's the synergy part in there. And also there's the part which you're doing good for others. It anchors you back again. You're never going to act alone. You're always going to be working with other people. And you're always going to be adding value. No matter what that thing is. Now for an employer... I think it comes with the greatest sense of responsibility here where you are now. That circle of influence that we spoke about at the start of the show is a lot wider. So you're influencing a lot of people's and their lives, not just yourself, but mm. their lives as well. So there's a greater sense of responsibility. So in a way, when I say ownership, you 
have to have a sense of ownership that you're doing good to help somebody else's life. Whether it's their pay, whether it's their health, whether it's their livelihood. When I say livelihood is beyond just the pay that they get. It's what they can do moving forward. How do they grow? How do they become better? You're responsible for those things. So you have to see it in that manner. Mm. In a sense, becoming a little more selfless, you want to call it. And a, a bit more human, I think. Yeah. Right? Not not everything is just on the paper, right? We are humans with emotions and needs as well. Mm-hmm. Mm, but and, and hence that last thing I said there, which is most try to break it down to things they can understand, meaning like, oh, if I see numbers, I see metrics, that means we're doing good. Numbers and metrics are just things to show that you're heading in the right direction. It doesn't mean something good is happening. We've all seen this too many times that a company can say they're super profitable or they're making, they're growing X number of times. But then when you look under the surface, people are not being treated well, bad workplace, all those things are there. That is so true. But I think a lot of people are not, they're afraid to say this out loud. (laughs) One thing I would like to touch on is actually admitting mistakes, right? Mm -hmm. When leaders make mistakes, uh, Mm -hmm. there is this fear, there's this resistance to admit Mm -hmm. their failures or Mm -hmm. mistakes in general. Mm -hmm. Is admitting errors, mistakes sufficient to demonstrate ownership? Like admitting that I'm wrong, I'm sorry, is that enough? Is that end mm. of the story? It's one way of it. And I, I don't class, I don't put that under my understanding of ownership because I feel that's a whole different thing by itself, which is I call vulnerability. So showing vulnerability. And I think you touched on it on, on showing that if a person who is in a leadership position can show that they can be vulnerable, that makes them more human. When that becomes the case, they find that people relate to them more and are able to understand the difficulties that even they go through. If not, what people end up doing is putting this person on a pedestal and classifying this person as untouchable, which is a mistake because then you're never going to question things that come out of the person's mouth, which is wrong. No no person is without any faults and mistakes. And even any leader depends, and they should know this, depends on the people who work with them to make things successful. So there's nothing wrong with being vulnerable, but sure, it's hard because the stigma that they have to be the standard bearer and perfect. Hmm. On a personal note, Wayne, how do you practice uh, taking ownership? I guess, what is one more thing that you do? The simplest thing, but impacted you a lot when it comes to taking ownership at work? Right. Um, that question which I said in the curiosity part, which is, what else? I always ask this question, what else? Um, especially when it comes to the people who report to me and the people who are in my company. I do a one-on-one with every single person who is in the company. Because I always ask this question, like if I hear something, Like the manager may come and tell me, look, this is what's happening. This is how this person is and all that. I always ask this question like, hmm, okay, that's the perspective. But what else could be there? What else could be happening? And the only way I can understand that is by talking to the person directly. Hmm. And then I get a coloring of both ends and I know that, okay, now I know what I could do, who I could speak to. And what else goes across, not even just the people, but even if there's something, a way of working that everybody's involved in, I always ask this question, what else can we do? How else can we do this? And that always makes things improve. 
So that's my simplest thing that I do when it comes to my own sense of ownership. One question, but it impacts the organization and your team members as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Immensely. All right. Uh, to wrap up this conversation, what is the one key takeaway about importance of ownership at work? I would say that it is important if you want to find meaning in what you do. So most of the time when we go to work, we treat it as a transaction. Hmm. I'm just going to get value out of it, money out of it, because then I can do whatever else. But keep this in mind. Work, once you become an adult, is an equal measure to everything else you do in your life. Think of it. You spend 8 to 12 hours at work. Everything else gets condensed in the next 8 to 12 hours. Hmm. Leave sleep aside. Five days a week, you spend 8 to 12 hours it should not just be a transaction. It should be something you know the reason why you're doing it. And to know the reason why you're doing it, build a sense of ownership so that you know why you do something. The reason doesn't have to be professional reasons, right? Nope. It can nope. be from your personal life, because of your family, because of yourself. Yes, indeed. If you understand the reason, you accept the reason, the better. It should not be anybody else's. I really love that. This has been a very interesting and insightful conversation, Nigesh. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you, Lily, and thanks for the good questions. I've been speaking to Nigesh Arman, the COO and CTO of Leadernomics Digital, to talk to us about how to build an ownership culture and why it is important to have a sense of ownership. If you miss any part of this conversation, you can go ahead on our website at bfm.my or the BFM app to listen to the full conversation if you missed it. I'm Lily Shah and this has been Razor Game here on BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.